Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, May 27, 2016. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 5, and we are at page 65, Paragraph 1. Today's readers are Sally A., Sharon H., and Nancy H. The reference number for Thursday, May 26, is 8 Seven seven two. That's eight seven seven two. LA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Deb W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Deb W. recovered from Oklahoma. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge for, for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Deb W., and I will now ask Lisa B. to read the 12 traditions. And if you're not Lisa B., please make sure you are muted. Thank you. Hi, this is Lisa B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in South Carolina. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 
Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book, Chapter 5, on page 65, paragraph 1. I will ask Sally A. to begin reading. Thank you, Katie, for your service to all of us. A good morning vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, Recovered Compulsible Reader. I'm on the top of page 65. On our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with? We were usually as definite as this example. I'm resentful at Mr. Brown. The cause, his attention to my wife. He told my wife of my mistress, Brown may get my job at the office. What does it affect? My sex relations, self-esteem, my fears, driven by fear, sex relations, self-esteem, fear, security, self-esteem, fear. The second example, I'm resentful at Mrs. Jones. She's a nut. She snubbed me. 
She committed her husband for drinking. He's my friend. She's a gossip. What does it affect? Affects my personal relationships, self-esteem, fear. The third example, I'm resentful at my employer. The cause, unreasonable, unjust, overbearing, threatens to fire me for drinking and padding my expense account. Affects my self-esteem, fear, security, and I'm resentful at my wife. The cause, she misunderstands and nags, likes Brown, wants the house put in her name. Affects my pride, personal sex relations, security, fear. We went back through our lives, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us, and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. Okay, again, I'm Sally in South Jersey. And Sally A., I just want to put on a timer here because this is a lot of material to cover. Here we go. So I want to just bring out three points, and there's quite a bit here, much more than three, but I just want to bring out three. First of all, when we enter into step four, we have to remember that this is not an opportunity for more drama. This is about reviewing, not reliving our past, just reviewing it. That's the first thing I have to say about this. I often use the example of a Tupperware cabinet or uh, picture marbles that have been dumped out on your kitchen floor. And I like to use the kitchen floor because if you don't deal with the marbles, you're inevitably going to trip on the marbles and you're going to bang into the refrigerator door and be back in the food. Um, so what you're doing is you're cleaning out your, your mind. What's, what's all the stuff you've been housing in your mind, you're going to, for me, I, I think of it as a Tupperware cabinet because that's the cabinet that always gets messed up in my house. That I have to empty it out and put it back in and there's all kinds of empty lids with no bottoms. This, this doesn't happen quite as often anymore, but boy, it was happening for a long time like that. Lids with no bottoms, bottoms with no lids. Um, just a mess in my Tupperware cabinet. And that's what my brain looked like, a Tupperware cabinet that really required organizing. And it's not just organizing, it's getting rid of stuff that's just not helpful. And that's what we're doing here. So we come to this, this, uh, this journey. The step four is kind of like we're beginning a journey of going, reviewing, reviewing, not reliving our past. And we're putting it down on paper. And as we put it down on paper, we see that we've got these columns. And we're told by our sponsor, hopefully, stay in your column. First, make a list of all your resentments. Then flesh it out with what's the cause. You get 19 words or less. Because the examples here, the longest example is 19 words. The rest are less. And then finally, what does it affect? And what they're giving you here in this particular last column here is your instincts, your social instincts. We have a herd instinct. We have a, an instinct for companionship. 
We have an instinct for personal relationships. So we see there the social instincts. And by the way, warped social instincts, because down deep, we are sick people. We are, we are power-driven. We are controlling. We are ego, pomp, and power-driven. Then we've got our security instincts. We've got the outer world material instincts for shelter, clothing, and food. But we've got those internal emotional securities for safety and survival instincts. And these two are warped. We are hoarders, misers. We are pursuing wealth. We're, we're dependent people. We're helpless. We're fear-fettered. And finally, we have sex instincts. We have instincts to procreate, but we also have our desires, uh, the sex instincts that are also warped, that are fear-driven. Okay, and so what I want to get to, because there's so much here, is that last paragraph I want to be sure to get to at the end of the matter here on page 66. The usual outcome was that people continue to wrong us. And that's what this is. We're making a list of resentment, re-sentiment, re-feeling. Over and over, I carry in my mind, uh, the marbles in my mind is the re-feeling of all the things that have happened to me. Looking back to my past, not staying in today. But here when we get to 66, it speaks of how sometimes it was remorse or regret. And, and I did a lot of ruminating. I was, oh, my goodness, I was so sick from ruminating and over and over going over the mistakes and how could I have done it better and what could I have done differently. And then we were sore at ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, there's the key, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. And this is the first many times, and I'll end with this. That the big, the big book tells us, this is the first of many times that the big book tells us at the top of 66, 67, bottom of 98, bottom of 84, bottom of 103, tells us, don't fight, don't argue, for these are the makings of the marbles. This is what we were eating over, at least a lot of it. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. Thank you so much, Sally A. Okay, who would like to share on this um, section? And we are focusing our... Um, Sheila H. Chrissy M. Kim G. Okay, Sheila H. Okay, okay. Wait Kim a second. I, I'm not hearing anything. Okay, Sheila H. Kim G. Nancy H. Larry. Nancy H. Larry, Larry K. Mary Kay. Okay, wait one second. I'm just not that fast. Okay, Sheila Kim, Nancy, Larry. Um, okay, now go ahead again. Sorry. Mary Kay. Janine S. Mary Kay, Tina S. Christine G. Christine G. Janine S. Oh, Janine S. Okay. I have the page number when you can. Operators are protected by New York State law. One page 65. Okay, one, two, three, five. And I'm going to, um, so I have Sheila H., Kim G., Nancy H., Larry K., Mary K., Tina S., Christine G., and Janine S. Did I miss anybody? Okay, we will go with those, and I will put myself at the end unless everybody said what I wanted to say. Um, go ahead, please, Sheila H., followed by Kim G. Thank you. Good morning. Sheila H. from New York, recovering all the time. Um, wanted to check in. It's been a while since I've been able to check in, but grateful that I got to check in this morning. 
I wanted to because social media. You are really breaking up. I'm sorry. If you could, Ah. I don't know, do something. Thank you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, my connection is probably. All right. I will pass. Pretty bad. Okay. Okay. Yes, I'm sorry. Thank you. Okay, Kim G, you're up, followed by Nancy H. Thanks, Katie. And, and uh, oops, I said it for 40 minutes. Um, and Sheila, it's good to hear your voice on the line. Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. So, you know, up to this point, um, we're really taking other people's inventory. Man, I'm good at that. I can tell you exactly who I'm mad at, you know, what they did to me, how poor me, the victim mentality. But if this is where I stay, what's going to happen? I'm going to continue to stay sore. So I like how, um, you know, Sally said that a resentment is reliving, re-feeling. I mean, the fact was I had really bad teeth as a kid. I was teased a lot as a child. But I'll tell you, as an adult, 15 years later, that feeling is stronger, even though I haven't seen those kids in 15 years. And for me personally, this is the problem I see when people do autobiographies as their uh, fourth step, and they're just writing about their history. What you wind up doing is justifying your resentment, getting yourself upset, reliving these traumas over and over again, and that's not what the big book is asking us to do. Now, where I got confused is I see this chart. And I don't know about you, but when I get a bookshelf from Ikea, I don't read the directions. What I do is look at the pictures, and I try to put the the bookshelf together with the pictures, and then I'm dumbfounded when I try to put three books on the bookshelf and it collapses because I'm not willing to read the directions. So what we're going to see in these coming pages is we're going to see the description of a fourth column, which I never did. So these paragraphs are going to start to transition us to the idea that regardless of what other people did, if we stay here, we're screwed. I'm going to need to get to that fourth column of where I'm fearful, where I'm resentful, where I'm self-seeking, and where I'm frightened. And just to give you a little sneak peek ahead, when we go into the 10th step, it says for watch for these things, watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. It's not telling us to do the first three columns because we find the first three columns are not helpful. And my experience a lot of times is when I get a 10-step call, is people do a 10-step in these first three columns. They never get to where they're selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. What they want to do is they want to tell me the story. And that story becomes emotional, and it becomes paralyzing. So these three columns, if I do that, even in my 10th step and even in my 11th step, what's going to happen is I'm going to conclude that others were wrong, and that's as far as I'm going to get, And the outcome is going to be that people are going to continue to wrong me and I'm going to continue to stay sore. So as important as these first three columns are, these next couple pages is going to be where we're going to find freedom through this inventory process of four through nine and when we're going to continue to find freedom by practicing the skill set in 10 and 11. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Now we have Nancy H. followed by Larry Kay. Good morning. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you for your service, Katie, for, as moderator today. Um, here I'm noticing this list. You know, when they first said the list, I thought, well, this is pretty simple. And I really enjoyed the fact that I wasn't going to have to write an autobiography in my last 62 years or 68 years. 
Um, so I started this list under the mistaken notion that I was going to get to tell somebody all about, you know, the, how I went through in my childhood and what a victim I was. So when I set out on making the list, I was under that mistaken notion that everyone in my life was the problem. But when it came to doing the turnarounds, I realized that the major problem was me and my reaction to life. Um, as I was doing the list, I saw, and when I started doing the turnarounds, actually, I saw a pattern of defects that were in addition to my major defects, and I was a people pleaser, a caretaker, a codependent, and I used these defects to get my own way, and I actually was putting myself in a position to, to make things worse. Um, I wasted time, you know, that I could have been living in the principles on the poor me's. And then I remember going to church after finishing this list and telling God how I was so, I was such a mess, I would be willing to go on with the rest of the steps so he could change me. And um, that was when I was getting out of the driver's seat again. And these deep-seated resentments um, let me reveal root causes, such as the mummy and daddy issues from a long time ago, and I was still acting on them in my life for today. And they were the stumbling blocks that was interfering with my connection to God. So I realized after talking to my sponsor um, that if this behavior didn't change and I didn't start looking at my part, I was always going to be in a state of conflict and misery. So taking, you know, responsibility in this list to resolve many of the resentments I wasn't happy about, you know, I, I realized that my behavior was all about, you know, the inflated ego. And I, I'm glad that I didn't procrastinate with dealing with the list and completing the rest of the steps because my hope was born, you know, at that time. I, I had new hope because I knew that if I changed, I was going to get some of the promises. And the promises that they give us on page 83 and 84 are starting to come true. Um, so it, I, I think that just looking at my part in it was the big, big uh, change in me. And I've been making some drastic changes and I'm seeing the promises in my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you so much, Nancy H. And now we have Larry Kay, followed by Mary Kay. Good, good morning, Katie. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, so here's the deal. That, you know, But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Uh, the moments of triumph were short-lived. Yes, that's how it was for me. See, these are about the reason I'm going through this process. If you need to know a why, if you need a why, um, it's because I'm hearing some background noise there. I don't know if Leah wants Here, to. Um, Larry, let me, um, let me do something about that. Just one moment. You'll have to okay. read, get on. I mean, read, no worries. whatever. Okay, let's you back. Okay, I'm back. Katie, good? Yes. Okay, cool. So, so the, if you need a why uh, that, you're, that we go through this, this first part of the process, it's, look, our emotions, our emotions are, were too overwhelming for us. That's the why of it. I mean, if I need a why, our emotions are about those instinctive feelings. It's just too much for me. I need my heroin. I don't know about you. I need my heroin to get through those emotions. 
um, whatever they are. And um, so that's the why of it. So I need to get down to these, these causes and conditions. But the reason why therapy didn't work for this issue for me was because I'm a compulsive reader and I have an obsession of the mind and it's, it's just too much for me. So knowing, you know, and discussing the issues, if is, you know, that's as far as I ever got was just to know that I resented the heck out of you and, um, and I was justified in having that resentment because you weren't, you know, you weren't playing by my rules. But that's as far as I ever got. And, um, you know, here now we are going to get to a place where we can more fully understand this issue. But it's just a starting point, right? It's just a starting point. Somehow, when we move on from these steps, one into the next, into the next, into the next, we, what happens, at least for me it's happened, is we have a spiritual awakening. We have some sort of vital transformational experience so that now the reason I don't binge my brains out today, because I still have, you still step on my toes. And, um, but the reason I don't binge over those things anymore is because as a result of that spiritual awakening in totality, that I don't need the food anymore. I literally don't need the food anymore um, to overcome the, you know, that, that emotional turmoil that's just too much. It's not that stuff doesn't continue to happen for me. So the, 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 uh, the thing about this is, is we, what it's suggesting to us is, is we have to be, look at this stuff very carefully and but do go through it quickly, and then we need to move on from there. We need to move on because you are not going to get well in this step. I can assure you of that. You will get some great insight. You might even feel a little bit of relief. You may. But you will not. Uh, this obsession of the mind, for me, was not removed in step four. So I want to be clear about that because um, if we think that the obsession is going to be lifted as a result of looking at a few things, yes, we need to go through that process. Um, it, it won't. Uh, not if you're a compulsive overeater like me. You're still going to need your heroin. We better move through this pretty quickly. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry. And Mary Kay, you're up. Good morning, everyone. This is Mary Kay, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater just for today. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay, thank you. Um, the, what I wanted to comment about this morning was that we went back through our lives. Um, I was couldn't wait to do the fourth step. Uh, I'm on a whole year of anniversaries here. It was just a year ago that I found out about the step and the and program work for the very first time, and just before my 61st birthday. And then I'm now I'm coming up on a year of of recovery and abstinence. Uh, and when I first met my my new sponsor through the OA lines, um, I told her I want to go right to step four. You know, I've I, I already got one, two, and three down. And she gave me instructions that I followed and went back to the doctor's opinion. And thank goodness for that because I I didn't know about the allergy of the mind and the expression of the body. And so we went through the process. But when we got to step four, finally, and we were finally at step four, like by August. And the, um, but I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I've done this so many times. I was the dime store psychologist master. I was so good at self analysis. I was so good at helping everybody else figure out their lives too. It's just this one thing I could never quite get over. And but the tools in this book and the, these instructions changed everything for me. 
the it gave me such clear instructions because it was that fourth column that I'd never looked at my part in it. And almost immediately for me, it's like the scales started falling off my my eyes, and and I could almost, I could feel healing beginning already. Things that I stories that I had told and retold years after years that put me in the victim mode. Um, suddenly we're, oh, <laughs> here's my part in all of this. Um, and then I could see I was finally ready to stop telling those stories and and live life one day at a time with the powerful instructions of this program, rooted, grounded, linked tightly to the spiritual relationship that I have with with my higher power, my truth to call God, and it is a wonderful, wonderful journey, and I just encourage all of you who are new or just coming into the program um, the, to, to hear the strength that's coming from these lines, and everybody have a wonderful, abstinent, recovered day. I pass. Thank you so much, Mary Kay, and if you're not Tina S., please mute yourself. Uh, Tina S. is next, followed by Christine G., Thanks, Katie. Uh, Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in uh, Florida. We went back through our lives. Uh, I like this part of it. You know, I, I was told early on that I needed to start right where I was and to go back through my life uh, because this was supposed to be a quick thing that I was doing and I didn't need to maul over my second grade neighbor uh, in my classroom. And, and, and I did that. So, I, I, you know, I started where I was so I didn't forget, you know, yesterday's stuff. And, um, you know, and, and what I know today is that, you know, all I needed to do was make a list, you know, and also the second column was 19 words or less for me, you know, and, um, you know, and also it talks about, you know, though I, I, I had to be thorough and honest and, you know, and I also had known that I'd just taken the third step. So I had to trust that I was thorough and honest because if I was taking too long, I was just procrastinating. That was me. That was me. And, um. And again, it was already said, you know, I certainly knew that other people were wrong. You know, I had no issues with that, you know, but I also knew uh, that at some time I had made decisions based on myself. And uh, that these other people were doing things in response to my response or my reaction. And, you know, and, and today I have a different way to live, you know. My experience also was that when I was doing this four steps, since, you know, those character defects were not gone or removed, I was still living that same stuff. So I was well aware of my pattern. You know, it was still happening in my life. And, um, you know, and, and today I have an opportunity with the tent to clean that stuff up, you know, and, and this stuff still happens. And it was just said, you know, and that's why we have the 10 step. If, you know, if it didn't happen for me, I, I wouldn't be here because I'd be perfect in someplace else, you know. So when these crop up, you know, I take care of them on a daily basis. And, you know, I, I'm just so grateful to say that there is, is a way to live one day at a time, that I don't have to act out in all my stuff. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me, Tina asked. Christine G., you're up, followed by Janine Hi, everyone. It's Christy G., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. And I had to – what happened when I was working on, on this step is – like was mentioned before, I was able to see how I caused a lot of my own suffering by expecting people to be better than I was able to be, more loving, more kind, more generous, more just, 
I saw that I did a lot of the things that I was resentful for and hurt about with other people. I did. I did, too, in some way. I, I, I repeated that same behavior because it's a lot of the behaviors that we see. That's why, you know, the seven deadly sins, I, I, you know, every single defect is, is another just uh, semantically, like, teased out something of the seven deadly sins. It's just a, a new way of looking at it. But there, there are just basic things that human beings do to hurt one another. And I've done them all, and and people have done them all to me. And it was in that moment of realization. And I forget it. I, I lose it all the time. I forget that people aren't perfect and I'm not. And I, I, I really get pissed off about the fact that I'm not and people aren't. And and when I'm in that, that's when I do have to look, look at where my thinking is off because it will never change. The fact will always change remains that while I'm alive I will be imperfect and that is the same truth for others they will always be capable of doing things that they regret or causing harm and I will always be doing the same and 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 the bottom line is the good that would be really really depressing if there wasn't a power greater than the human power thank God, that I'm aware that there is a power greater. And, and I really want to surround myself with people who are operating from that power. And in that way, I'm not setting myself up so much like in the past to get hurt because I was really going, I was really sick and I was really surrounding myself by sick people. So I, I mean, I have choices. So, so my life is more pleasant. I have less suffering because I'm aware that there is a higher power. There are people that have an easier time operating from that power and are trying to work the power into their lives. And I want to be that kind of person, too, for other people. So I'm really grateful for this program, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Christine G. And Janine S., you're up. Good morning, visionaries. My name is Janine S. from Florida. And what we need for step four is open, honesty, openness, and willingness. We need to look at these resentments and make sure that we don't leave anything out, no secrets, and, and um, especially the embarrassing ones, kind of ones where you know that you had contributed to it, and make sure that you are willing to look at your defects. And every resentment you have, you will find a defect. And when I was a little girl, I was abused, and I thought, no, I'm a little girl. How could I have anything to do with this? I was a victim. But I did find something. I found that I had some power over my abuser. I could blackmail to receive lighter discipline for my naughtiness. And uh, that's, I have all to share. Thank you for letting me share. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Um, Janine, and I'd like to share for a minute. Um, I'm Katie Upper, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and 
you know, if there's someone new on the line who's never done this four step, it can seem overwhelming and we're all giving all types of a different, um, you know, ways and do this, don't do that, you know, blah, on the, on and on, you know, just lots of really solid suggestions. But I just, um, you know, want to just remind that, that we're not doing this. Um, this isn't a workshop that we're conducting here where, you know, we expect people to hang up the phone and go and do this on their own. I mean, that's why we have each other. And, you know, I've had uh, the opportunity to do different four steps, but the good news is, um, and I'll just focus on this last sentence the, the, or towards the end, it says, but the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. And when I tried to justify and justify and justify my behavior, um, and, you know, resisted writing these things down, resisted, you know, the cause and the, how it affects me, then I just kept, you know, going over it again. I kept reliving in those resentments. But once I went through this process completely, I have never had to go back and revisit them. You know, they're done. They're covered. They're completely, um, it's just not part of my baggage that I carry around today. And I'm just so grateful for this process because this is why, you know, those of us on the line who are recovered are happy, joyous, and free because we are not living in this um, dogma of um, morbid reflection and, um, and victim mentality. And I'm just, um, you know, just, encourage anybody who's out there who's never done this to, to get a guide and do it. With that, I'll pass. And who else would like to share on this um, section? Nessa Katie, R. Leia M. Nessa, Nessa R. Nessa O. Ruth M. Melissa C. Melissa C. Okay. Um, Vasa, I think I heard Vasa. Okay, I have Nessa R, Katie G, Leah M, Renata G, um, Melissa C, and Vasa O. Did I miss anyone? Yes. And Ruth M. Ruth M. And Laura, what was the initial? Laura. Okay. Okay, um, Nessa R, you're up, followed by Katie G. Hi, good morning. This is for you. My name is Nessa R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, the word self-esteem is uh, found here in almost next to almost every item on this chart, and that was the case for me when I when I did my step four. Um, Every single item, I checked self-esteem and uh, emotional security. And I, I realized, you know, these steps four helped me realize that I was placing dependence upon other people and circumstances for my sense of well-being, for my peace of mind. Um, and no wonder I was always restless, irritable, and discontented because, you know, um, these these things don't come from externalities. They're you know they're an inside job, 
And I didn't see that. You know, I I was the victim of circumstances. I was mired in self-pity. And it took this step forward for me to be able to see that, to see that this 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 complex of victimization, of uh, you know, I self-justification, rationalization, is what was was what was causing my uh, my misery. Um, and you know, that was a revelation to me. What helped me though uh, was the following step, you know, five through nine, to see that self-esteem and emotional security come from doing what's right, you know, aligning my will with God's will, you know, being of service to him and being of service to my family and to my fellows and helping others. And, you know, I, I think now, like, my self-pity and, and sense of victimhood has left me, has been lifted, thank you, God, um, because of that. You know, I, I'm more focused now on what I can do for others, on what I'm needed for, than on my little plans and designs to get me to be happy. And it's kind of ironic that now that I'm not trying to pursue my own happiness, I'm actually happy. And when I was trying to um, get life to, to, to uh, suit myself, I was miserable and everybody else around me was miserable. And that's, that's the paradox of, of program. And it all started with step four with the realization that, you know, these are my issues and they come from me. They don't come from other people or circumstances. Um, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa. And next we have Katie G, followed by Leah M. Hey, Katie, can you hear me? This is Katie G. Yes. <clears throat> Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Katie G, Recovered Anorexic Spilling Mechanical Multiple Reader. In Boston, and um, where are we? So we're on step four, and um, we've taken steps one through three. Thank God, we're living an entire abstinence, <clears throat> and this is where the rubber um, really meets the road about seeing, you know, if all these people wronged me, I have no solution. And I'll tell you that before I did the work eight years ago, um, and I was in OA, I called people and I said, oh my God, like that person, they're so fat and they really bother me and the way they eat and the way they chew and, and I would talk this stuff out. And then I'd be like, and then she said this and I looked at her like this. And the problem with that <clears throat> is that the dumping didn't help. The dumping made things worse. I was like refeeling all that stuff. And if you're hating me right now because I'm sharing about the disgusting feelings I have in my head, well, that's what step four is about, right? It's about naming the real disgusting judgments that you have. <clears throat> and I tell you what's different for me today. First of all, like I have friends, one of my best friends said to me a couple of weeks ago, like I, before I did the steps, she couldn't be friends with me. Like I wasn't any fun because everyone was making me crazy. My Overeaters Anonymous was saving my life. And I have to tell you, my first fourth step, pretty much everyone in Overeaters Anonymous was on that, on that list. And they were saving my life a day at a time. But I didn't have um, the awareness from step four. And so for me today, what's different is when I'm internally judging, because I'd love to tell you that the woman who self-identifies as, as a compulsive overeater at my job always gets loving acceptance from me. 
but she doesn't. She doesn't because there are times that I am operating from a, a place of lack of spiritual perfection, right? So I start judging her and then I, you know, but today what I know is I catch myself and I say, okay, like what's the resentment? And I, and I put it through this process and I'm not dumping anymore. And all of a sudden I recognize, and we'll get into the details as to how, she is me and we're walking shoulder to shoulder in this day and I'm not any better than and I don't need to be any worse than her. We're all God's kids. And no matter, how, no matter how people treat me during the day and I've got the list, it doesn't matter because my responsibility as a 37-year-old woman in this program as a recovered woman is no matter how mom treated me or didn't treat me, no matter how uh, you know, my fiancé does or does not do, like I need to be okay because I am okay in this moment and God has graced me with the life he's given me. And the only way, I'll close with this, the only way to get there is to continue, continue, continue in this process that begins here with uncovering, discovering, and discarding all that stuff that blocks me from God or the self. So I'm going to do it with you guys one more day in Boston. God bless you. Thank you, Katie G. Leah M., you're up, followed by Renata G. Thanks so much, Katie. Uh, to conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. You know, I often say freedom isn't free. Uh, there is a price to pay for freedom. And, you know, for the fourth step is the first action step in the inventory process. The process is steps four through nine. And, of course, we can continue that in step ten. Uh, you know, in order to get free in order to get free, um, because, you know, I just, in life, continue to blame and criticize and get angry and have outbursts and rage and silence and repression, etc. This inventory began to allow me to see where my anger and resentment really came from, because victimhood gets its power from resentments. Resentments contain a great deal of energy, right? I could practice self-righteous indignation. He did this to me. That's why I can't do A, B, and C. Uh, character assassination, certainly a justification to uh, binge my brains out. And it was truly an amazing feeling after filling out the initial three columns to take a look at what I had written down because I began to see with the help of a guide that the most important things about myself, how I felt about myself, which is the self-esteem, how safe I felt, which is security, uh, how frustrated I felt, which is my ambitions, my, my drive for life, how I related to others, which was related to the personal aspect, personal relationships, and how I related sexually to others, the sex relations, and how fearful I was, which was threaded through everything, um, I began to see that I was being controlled by other people, institutions, and these principles, these abstract concepts. No wonder I wasn't happy. No wonder I was seeking comfort, even comfort in cellophane you know, bags and, and bakery boxes. So I was, you know, step four 
gave me the responsibility in my recovery to do this work. And the program of recovery, the process that I was going to go through, gave me these spiritual tools, these steps to get undisturbed so I no longer needed to seek a substance outside of myself to get comfortable. And, of course, I continue to practice that whole inventory process in step in step 10. So, you know, this works. I can only, uh, you know, encourage people, do the work. You will get free <laughs> through the process of these 12 steps. And I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Now we have Renata G. followed by Melissa C. Good morning. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Composable Reader. Uh, I want to bring up two points here. Uh, it says on page 66, to conclude that others were wrong was as, as far as most of us. And, uh, you know, what that brought up for me this morning was me, in a way, trying to work the steps uh, with different methods uh, other than the big book, you know, answering a million questions and, you know, how questions or even working the OA uh, workbook. Uh, that's where it took me, you know, that people hurt me, people wrong me. I have a reason to be hurt and upset. And that, that was that. There was nothing after this. But then, you know, in this phase of step four here in the big book, yes, we're still there. It's just showing us the first part of step four. And I think this is really a bait, you know, uh, to get me to put down on paper all the things that are rolling up in my head. Because if the book, the big book said, you know, write down, all the people, all the institutions, whatever that, you know, with whom you were selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, afraid. I would be like, what are you talking about? You know, so there's a process here. So I'm putting everything that is bothering me, everything that is taking up space in my mind, you know, on paper. And then, you know, with God's help, I'm going to be able to then look at what was my part in it? How, what did I do? It's not going to stop here. You know, this is just the beginning. And so, you know, it says, as in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. You know, and so it, it, it also said to us on page 64 that resentment is the number one offender, that it destroys more alcoholics than anything else. So even if, you know, for a second, just like a bench, right, those first few seconds that I got, like, see, I'm right, see, I have a reason to resent, see, I'm the victim here. What good was that doing to me? It was blocking me off from my higher power, and I was eating myself to death, you know. And so, you know, it, the big book talks about how we need to turn to a higher power, and I was turning to myself. Out of my self-will, I was trying to solve my problems. My, my instincts were affected. And instead of turning to a higher power for guidance, for balance, or how to react in a situation, I would go overboard because I'm an addict. And I never do anything in moderation. 
And so it would really cause harm instead of just having balance in life. And so, you know, but the big book's going to prepare us to ask God for help. There's a prayer that comes. And then God will allow me to take an honest look at my part. Because just staying on, oh, yeah, I was hurt. And, yes, there was a reason. You know, this is why it's not going to take me anywhere. It's not going to give me any freedom. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Renata. Melissa C., you're up, followed by Vasa O. And actually, I'm sorry, it's 7.52, so we will only have time for um, Melissa C., and then Vasa, Laura, and Ruth, you can be in the second hour if you can stick around. Hi. This is Melissa C. I don't know if you called me or not. I I did, yes. You're you're the last chair at this hour. Thank you. Great. Good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, it's um, it's incredible just the order of these steps. That's what just always amazes me because, um, you know, if the fourth step came too early in the process, I would still be at the point where I was swearing I have no resentment, you know, because that's, um, that's part of the lie that I lived by. You know, I'm, I was the smiling um, fat girl, you know, and somewhere I got that message really early, don't don't show your wounds, don't show your anger, anger is ugly, um, cover it up, girl, put on some lipstick and wear that smile, and, you know, and so it really wasn't until I was <laughs> into the steps, you know, powerless, the food is gone, that holy crap, now I'm, I'm resentful. I'm not so sweet, you know, I'm really angry, and um, and so I was right, you know, that's the first thing that jumps out at me here, that um, if we only go so far as um, identifying where we were wrong and justifying where we were right, um, that leaves me no alternative but to run back to the food, because how painful is that? You know, now I'm totally open. I'm totally like naked in my reality and I don't have the food, you know, to shelter me from this. And it's no mistake that people fall apart in the fourth step. I, I think it's it's quite common. Um, you know, and that's why it's so important. How freeing is it when I identify, oh my, you know, I had you mean I had a hand at this. I, there there was some piece I contributed. I wasn't just a victim. And yes, there was a piece that I greatly contributed, even if it was just um, that I had a fantasy of the way life was supposed to be, and it didn't turn out that way. Perhaps my part was just unrealistic expectations of life. And, um, you know, this process is just incredibly um, freeing, removing all the things that kept me tethered to the food. And I'll thank you for that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, uh, Melissa C. And I'm sorry, uh, Vasa O and Laura and Ruth, that we did not get to you, but you could possibly stick around for the second hour. That would be great. And thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. 
Will Sharon H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Katie. This is Sharon H., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.